welcome to the Hello Mornings podcast, where our goal is to inspire and equip you to build a grace-filled, life-giving morning routine. My name is Kat Lee, and today I'm joined by Lisa Pulliam. She's going to share what her morning routine looks like, and we're also going to discuss how we can build a foundation in scripture for the hard times in life. Y'all, this is going to be good. Let's dive right in. Hey, Lisa, thank you for coming on the Hello Mornings podcast. Thanks for having me. Love being able to connect with you. Okay, so we're going to dive straight into the meat of the Hello Mornings podcast. We want to know about your morning routine. One, do you have one? Um, it's okay. It's been, don't. yeah, no, it's kind of forced upon me. I think it's the nature of motherhood. So because yes. the kids have to get up and get out to school, and it's been my tradition to get up and get breakfast on the table for them. I hear from my kids that that's not something that all mamas do, and that's totally cool, but that's, I roll out of bed, get breakfast on the table, send them off, and then I pour my cup of coffee and go sit in my chair. Okay, so I want to hear a little bit more about breakfast on the table, because while I try to do that sometimes, um, right now we are repainting our kitchen cabinets, and so Uh, to cook something involves hunting down a pan and then hunting down a spatula because we had to take everything out of everywhere. So our house is our pantry and our cabinets Uh. now and drawers are piled on top of drawers on the kitchen floor. So um, I would love to know what is, what is your breakfast look like? Do you like cook awesome things every morning? Is it ever cereal or what, what, what is that? Tell me about it. So the mornings that I'm running absolutely totally late, then it's a bowl of cereal. And if we have strawberries, like cut up strawberries on it. And then it's not always healthy cereal. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I let the kids pick like one bad cereal a month. (laughs) And so when they run out of that, then it's done. But like our, my best breakfast would be like an egg sandwich. I love, Mm. I love eggs or what we do a lot because I wanted to get a little less carby from an English muffin is I'll do uh, scrambled eggs in a tortilla wrap. And then if they're running out the door, I can roll it up in a paper towel and they head out the door with that. So that's the yeah. tortilla in the paper towel, not the egg in the per- t- tor- paper <laughs> towel, because that would be kind of chewy. Yeah, no, no. And the, more carbs egg, than you want. <laughs> the egg and the cheese. And if we're lucky, a little <gasps> kind of meat in the tortilla wrapped in the paper yes. towel. Okay, yeah. got it. Just making but, sure for those listening yeah. <laughs> who might be confused. Oh, is that a new thing, eating paper towels? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is called a scramble because there's not enough time to sit at the table for breakfast. Right, yeah, yeah. That's so good. My, I have a child who is allergic to eggs, so that makes breakfast something of a challenge. If we're trying to avoid carbs and eggs, yeah. it doesn't leave a whole lot of options. So we come up with well, some yeah. different creative things. Here's another one that actually, whenever my husband and I go on vacation and we don't want to eat like the breakfast buffet, you don't want to spend extra on that. We we do tortilla and then peanut butter and granola and banana. Oh, that sounds good. I've done peanut butter and banana, but never granola in there. Yeah, because I like a little crunch. So that's like our healthy, no cook, can do it in a hotel room mm-hmm. or easy, like quick go in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I'm going to have to try that. Okay. So there, yeah. there's your healthy breakfast. Um, so you get the kids off to school. You sit down with your morning drink. I think you said coffee. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Coffee. It's getting less sweet as I age. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite kind of coffee? Uh, well, I used to get what was called fog chaser and they don't make it anymore. We like get the big box off of Amazon. And so I forget what the name of the brand is now, but it's, it's making do. 
You know, yeah. I remember going to a, a, one of my son's soccer practices once and all the moms were standing around and <clears throat> they were talking about what they drink for what they drink in the morning and, and their, their morning coffee. And they're like, yeah, I like I like my coffee black, which is a little cream and sugar. <laughs> I remember being kind of off to the side of this conversation. They were all saying variations of that. Yeah, yeah, I like my coffee black, which is a little hazelnut syrup. And I'm thinking in my head, that's not black coffee <laughs> that's not drinking <laughs> your coffee black that's having that's that's a drink that's your coffee drink that's not drinking coffee black anyway it was yes. just really funny it was like they were getting their little badges of honor that they drink coffee black and yet it wasn't actually it was yeah. just a little whatever anyway um okay so you drink coffee in the morning yep. when you sit down with that coffee do you have a routine that you go through or are you just trying to wake up for the day no i have a routine i mean my on the best days i'm doing my quiet time with the Lord. I'm reading scripture. I'm journaling, you know, maybe like a 15 minute, 20 minute. If I have a Bible study that I'm doing at church, I'll end up trying to do the Bible study homework. And then when I finish that, that's when I want to, after that moment, kind of go into doing my email and my work. But it, sometimes it's a challenge because if my brain is flooded with something that needs to be pressed in on, there are days that I could jump right into work, you know, since I work from home. Uh, and then the quiet time happens more like 10 or 11 in the morning as I like, okay, take a pause, get yourself focused again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mm -hmm. have um, a song that you like to listen to in the morning? No, I am not a music person. I, I love music. Well, thanks for being on the Hell in Mornings podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll wrap this up. I'm just kidding. I'm such, I'm such a dorky music person. I love music. Um, and so anyway, so I, I think it's so fascinating to hear how different people are wired. I kind of need a soundtrack to my life. So there's always something going. And I feel like the way I behave then reflects the music that's currently playing. If it's classical music, then I'm very mature. And then if it's rap music, yes. I'm very not mature. <laughs> so this is interesting because it's been a really hard spell the last uh, six to eight weeks. And I have found myself going to music to get my brain mm. back, like focus, like stop, get out of your head, Lisa, mm. has been kind of the the anthem that's going through my mind. And I've been listening to the soundtrack from Greatest Showman and watching ah. the the YouTube videos of like the making of the music. And I tend to put that on like my shower time. That's when I'll listen to a podcast or I'll put some music on. And so that's become my like anthem for the day. It's not even worship music or, or anything scriptural, but there's something about the words in some of those key songs mm -hmm. that remind me of the truth. Okay. So here's what you need to go look up. Uh, Natalie Grant's Instagram account. She okay. and her husband went to see The Greatest Showman. And when they came home, apparently they just, they didn't even take their jackets off. They just set their stuff down, looked up. I guess the lyrics on the internet. So she would yeah. know the words. And then he just remembered the music or made it up or oh. whatever brilliant people do. Oh, and then my she word. sang it. And I'm serious, she sang it better than the person in the movie. And wow. it was just in the foyer of their house or wherever their piano is, I'm just guessing. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I must have watched that so many times because I'm such a huge fan of just kind of raw talent. Yes. You'll love it. So look up Natalie Grant's Instagram. It was around when the movie came out. So it was a couple months ago. But scroll okay. back, watch that. It's so inspiring. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. So we talked about breakfast. Great. We talked about morning drinks, wake up songs. When you start working, do you have a favorite planning 
a favorite way that you plan? Are you a paper person? Do you have an app? Tell me about your morning planning process. Uh, all of the above continually changing. So my latest fix is Trello. My friend got me hooked on Trello and it's been awesome for organizing every piece of item in my big idea brain and all the bazillion hats that I juggle. But I also use a paper planner that I created for myself that every like Friday, Saturday, I sit down and I look at the Google calendar for the week ahead. And I look at what are all the things that I need to get done this week. And I start prioritizing and blocking it off on my schedule. And then I, I, so I have that paper planner literally on my desk where I work maybe four to five days a week. Uh, And so I can see at a glance the desk, but the tasks are all organized in Trello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a combo mm-hmm. too. I like yeah. I like both. Sometimes yeah. my brain doesn't even want to open the computer, and yeah. sometimes it needs the computer. So yes. I, I like I like the combo. Uh, do you have any workout routine that you do, or going for walks, or morning stretches, or anything like that? Uh, well, I did until about a month ago, less than a month ago. I we joined a gym. Uh, over the summer, which was from this recording time, like eight months ago. And I fell back in love with Zumba and dance and found a new love for yoga, which I never, ever thought I would be a yoga person. But I'm injured thanks to a genetic disorder I didn't even know I had that explains all the reasons why I've had so many injuries and so much pain. And so Praise God, I was not having a heart attack, but it it was other issues, and I have to not do anything, literally, no upper body movement, pretty much, for about four to six weeks to get the pain in my chest to quiet down. Wow. That yes. Is, that is hard. It is hard, especially because I was finally feeling like fit, and it was, yeah. it was definitely part of the routine. Like Friday mornings, I'm going to the gym, mm-hmm. and I, it was built into my schedule. And now I'm enjoying the extra time, but I am having to figure out other ways to move my body. So like I can do the treadmill, but I find that so boring. <laughs> right. I If I ever have to do a treadmill, I don't have a treadmill. Actually, I have a bike that I like a stationary bike. And so if I ever do that, I have to, it has to be while I watch a show yes. because otherwise it's just too boring for me. I know. I've heard there's a thing called the Peloton that's, I think it costs a bajillion dollars, but it's basically you can ride. Okay. I'm not even sure. I could be butchering this, but I think you can do like, like spin classes with live classes in maybe New York City where they stream them from. But I think you can also ride and then it can show you like the landscape from the Tour de France, Mm. which I would think would be very inspiring. So I think that would be really cool. I don't have that. (laughs) I have a cheap little, you know, desk bike combo thing. But um, but yeah, so I have to watch a show. But it's I love that you hit a roadblock, but you're looking for different ways to keep it going because that's what always happens. We get into routine. We find something that works and then we hit a roadblock and then Mm -hmm. that's usually when we kind of stop. And so I love that you're looking, okay, what else can I do? How can I work around this so that I can keep going and keep feeling good? Yeah. It's really shown me that I am, uh, sides of my personality that I didn't see before, like when I am a super lazy exercise person. So I'll get on that treadmill, watch whatever I'm watching on Netflix but I don't get nearly the workout as I do when I'm in a class. Like I'm so motivated 
by other people and like the synchronization of our moves and the energy of people around me. I had no idea that that was such an important component Mm -hmm. to me. I mean, I'll burn a gazillion calories and walk out looking like a tomato for the next hour, (laughs) you know, because I've gotten such a good workout and I will never even come close to breaking that if I'm at home by myself. You know, I think that's true of most people in some form or fashion. Now, I'm not a group exercise person, but when it comes to competition, I'll get a much better workout if I'm playing tennis than if I'm just going for a run myself or riding the bike myself. The riding the bike is the worst because when I run, at least I have to get home. And so the faster (laughs) I run, the faster I get home. So there's that sort of motivation on the bike. I'm like, Nah, I can just I'm going to finish the show one way or the other sweat or no sweat. So yeah, I think everybody's like that. But I think there's a huge value in just keeping going, which is what you're doing, which I think is very admirable. Yeah, well, thank you. Covet your prayers for it because I'm waning. <laughs> All right. So you've written a new book called Unblinded Faith. And the subtitle is Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word. Now, mm-hmm. something that I love about that about this and the the subtitle of your book is on first glance, you look at it and you think, oh, well, of course I believe God's word. Of course I already believe it. But I think the what I love about it is that it goes deeper than that. There's challenges in our lives when 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 we think, oh, wait, I'm really having to think through, do I really believe it? Because we can believe it in our head and then maybe believe it in our heart, but then we have to believe it with our life. And that always tends to look a little bit different when you hit yes. each level of depth. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the journey that you went on that inspired you to write this book. Yeah. So the honest truth is that it wasn't even my idea to write this book. It was something that kind of fell in my lap. But there was a quiet prayer that I had only shared with a couple people that I said, Lord, if I write another book, I would really like to write a devotional because I just want to write about scripture. And so when this opportunity came my way and they had had it was by another title, but the idea was 90 days in scripture and 90 devotionals, I thought, yes, I can do this. And and I I've come to such a place over the last 10 years of my walk with the Lord where he has changed me because of scripture, because of what I have believed about his word and how I put it into action, that the one thing I did not want was somebody to read this devotional and walk away and be like, oh, that was a great story. I feel really good. I, I want to put forth the scripture verses that we struggle with and the ones that bring us comfort, the kind of the both and and say, okay, are we going to believe this? Are we going to believe this after we close this devotional book and, and walk into our day? And are we going, are we willing to take the scripture reference from each devotion, open our Bible, read it in context and believe the whole darn thing, and then walk into our day, putting into action. Mm, So good. So Mm -hmm. you've been through lots of challenges Mm -hmm. and you've had to learn to trust the Lord in the midst of those. For those mm-hmm. listening that are going through challenges, bring us into a couple of those um, and kind of how God helped you learn to trust him in the midst. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel like we don't trust him in the midst. We just kind of cling mm. <laughs> and, and we just say, okay, I'm not going to forsake you, God, in this process. I'm going to hang on, but I don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. And so the interesting timing of of writing this book in particular, we um, we moved from where we had previously lived, we were at a boarding school for 18 years. 
And we thought we were going to live and die there and that our children were all going to graduate from that school. My husband had graduated from that school. It was near my hometown. So we were near my family and we just saw ourselves there forever. And two and a half years ago, the Lord swooped in. There was a situation that we went through. A door opened for an opportunity. An invitation to apply for a new job was there and we took it. So it was a three week decision that turned into moving three months later. And our world completely turned upside down. And so the last two and a half years have been about, okay, God, what are you doing? Like, wh- what, what is your plan? What is your purpose? Show me where you have taken us from and, and let me see your faithfulness even when it's difficult. And so, you know, anybody who has moved with uh, across the country or across the the neighborhood, like if you if you have to walk into a new community, a new church, a new school, you have teenagers, you have kids who are losing friends, you move away from all your family, it kind of strips you from everything. And you have to say, God, it's you and me. Mm-hmm. It's you and me. And so I would have to say to myself throughout that time and continue to say to myself, you are faithful. You have provided for every need. You are sovereign. Your hand is over all of this, even when it makes no sense. You say in your word, Lord, that you uh, work out all things together for the good of those who love him in Romans 8, 28. Well, God, I know I love you. I may not like what you're doing right now, but I love you. (laughs) And so I'm trusting that you're going to work out this good. And it's almost a process of agreeing with truth without having to have an understanding of what's happening. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I love how in the process of reminding yourself of those things, you are applying different scriptures that you learn. You know, no matter whether people listening have moved recently or whatever is happening in their lives, we live in somewhat tumultuous times. And Mm -hmm. it can feel very much like the in-between. And the importance of getting into Scripture, the importance of knowing Scripture and applying Scripture, um, because it's easy to just say, oh, I just trust God, and just to make it be this very, you know, dreamy, ethereal thing without any practical foundation so that when we actually get in those situations like you were, where you felt like you were stripped of every other security that you normally have, to Mm -hmm. have the foundation of the word. Tell me a little bit about your passion for women to get into scripture and to study it. Yeah. So part of my backstory is that I, I came from an abusive home and I did not grow up in a Christian family. So I came to Christ when I was in college. And I, I say that like the point of my salvation is when the Lord really got a hold of me personally and redirected my life. And I began uh, wanting to know how does Jesus live so I can live that way? And what does it really mean that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins? What are my sins? How do How do I reconcile this? But what happened in that kind of first decade of walking with the Lord was that I was more externally putting it on, like, let's stop cursing, let's go to church, let's go to a Bible study. But internally, it wasn't becoming part of who I was because I wasn't spending time reading scripture on my own. Mm -hmm. I was listening to sermons, I was listening to teachers, I was listening to the opinions of others. So there were thoughts about that I had about God that were kind of skewed by the opinions of the world, even well-meaning people. 
And as I continued on that journey, I reached a point that I actually share about in, in my other book, Meet the New You, where my my what was flowing out of my heart and my mouth uh, revealed that there was kind of an infection going on in my heart. My heart was hardened uh, with shame and guilt and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And it was manifesting in the tone of my voice and the way I was treating my family and in my external behavior. And my husband called me out on that. And then I had friends that agreed with him. And I'm giving you like the real abbreviated version here and ended up in counseling. And in that time in counseling, one of the ways that the counselor worked with me was she continually said, well, what does God have to say about this? And I know that the heart can be wickedly deceitful. So I didn't want what, what does God have to say about this to be, what does, what do I think God feels about this? Or what are my feelings about what I think God thinks about this? I wanted those statements to match a biblical truth. And fortunately, I had been in Bible study for maybe four or five years at that point. And suddenly the Holy Spirit was drawing out during those times truth from Scripture. Like if we prayed and said, God, what do you have to say about this? A, a, a Scripture reference would come to mind. And I began to see that part of what God will do for us in healing us and transforming us, because not all of us are from a, a wounded, broken place that they need to reshape their whole life, but just that moving forward as a follower of Christ, living according to the truth of God's word requires being in God's word again and again and again, like vitamins every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so that when we need to fight a battle or endure a trial or extend grace or respond in compassion and kindness, that the Holy Spirit is drawing upon the truths of scriptures that have already been filled into our mind so that we can walk that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I think it's probably true that regardless of the background that, that people come from, following Christ is so other and so different from mm -hmm. not only what our culture is doing, but from what we naturally lean towards, that it's easy even if we haven't come from a difficult background to think that we're fine and that we mm -hmm. maybe don't need to dive as deeply into Scripture as we do. But the truth is following Christ is so counter everything natural to us yes. that we need to be diving into scripture. We need to know the word. We need to be able to fight those lies that Satan throws at us, whether they're deceptive lies, whether they're lies about us and keeping us um, from believing God's love or whatever those lies are. We need to know the scripture to be able to say, okay, this isn't what I think. This isn't what some preacher with this many credentials said, this is scripture, and I'm claiming this scripture. And regardless of the background that we come from, I think we all need to dive just as deeply for that lifeline um, so that we can, can really walk with him and we can really learn to trust him because it's one thing to trust what somebody says about him, and it's another thing to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, you know, I, I've walked let's say out of my Christian walk so far, 25 something years, I walked the first half kind of delusional about who God really was and who Christ really was. Like I understood the, the majors, but I didn't understand the minors because I wasn't reading the scripture as the great narrative of who God is. I wasn't understanding that the manna that, that God provided for the Israelites in the desert 
is so clearly tied to the the bread of life, Jesus Christ in, in the New Testament. I couldn't see the connecting points. So what I was hearing and learning were these individual kernels mm-hmm. of truth. But as I began to study the scriptures for myself, and what I mean by study the scriptures is read one chapter of scripture a day and highlight and underline and pray. Like that is my mm-hmm. version of study the scripture. But as I've done that year after year after year, moving through the Bible, kind of at that one chapter a day pace, uh, God is connecting the pieces together. And so now when I look at life, it's like I'm looking through the lens of Scripture rather than just my own flesh or opinions. Mm, that's so good. There are, yeah. There are times I struggle. And, and that's why it's, it's just as important to have fellowship with other believers who are walking out the application of scripture, because when you're not seeing it, you can say, hey, this is my struggle. And they can say, well, remember, let's go back to what the word has to say. Mm-hmm. Has it been hard for you in the process of that move to find a new community of believers to walk with? That has been one of God's greatest kindnesses to me ever. Um, but it has taken time. So the second week that we were here, uh, we went to a church that somebody recommended, and we've been at that church ever since. Oh. And the the third week, and you know, we probably should have shopped around and looked and tried different places, but it was five minutes from our house. It met all of our needs. And you know, there's no perfect church under the sun. And so we kind of, our expectations were that going into it. But I plugged into Bible study and we plugged into a small group. So by September, we were in both. And I've been able to develop friends, really good, sweet friends through that time. But the real secret for me, and I think this is a secret for all of us, is that going once a week to Bible study doesn't develop the type of bond with people, even if we're introverts and just need one friend, uh, that we, I think that we crave and that we need. And so I did feel dis, I felt lonely that first year, even though I was meeting people and into the second year, um, I, I, you know, I thought something's got to change. I really need to be more intentional about this. And so now we're in our third year. And what I did last summer was I invited about 10 women to meet with me every Friday morning at my house for Bible and prayer. And that eight weeks, which was all it was, and it turned out to be six of us, uh, was the sweetest time of those friendships going really deep. Now, Now, I just consider them some of my best and closest friends. I love that. I love how intentional you were about it. You're like, okay, I have a need and I'm not just going to wait for somebody to come find me. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to try to meet that need. And I would imagine it was scary in that process at some level. And you had to trust the Lord to be like, okay, I'm going to invite these people. Who's going to show up? Yeah. Yeah. That part was scary. Um, it was scary who to invite and who not to invite. Mm. And so I'm, I'm a invite everybody and whoever comes, comes. So I went with that approach. For me, the biggest point of trust was that I'm working full time from home. My income is we need it to pay the bills, like not just to have fun, but to like pay the mortgage and put food on the table. I have to work. And so to give up a two and a half hour block on a Friday morning to have people over because it is two and a half hours, you got to get dressed. You got to, you know, if you're going to clean up the space a little bit for people to come in and sit down and then the small talk, you need to leave room for if somebody has a need, you don't want to be like rushing them out right after the hour commitment. And so to give up that time was such a huge step of faith 
every week I'm like, God, you need to multiply my hours. That's all I have to say about this. (laughs) And he did. (laughs) Well, I love how that's an example of really what we're talking about today, about the importance of getting into scripture. You know, we need to study it with a, a view to apply it to our lives. But a lot of times it just kind of ends there. We're like, oh, I read my Bible thing for today. Oh, you know, I'm going to try to be nicer today or whatever it's talked about. But there needs to be a place for us to step out and actually trust him because it's so easy for us to just kind of orchestrate our lives. So maybe we don't need to trust him to only invite the safe people or to, you know, just only do things that we think we can accomplish or that we think we can do. But in order to grow in trusting in the Lord, I think we need to do things that we can't do, do things that are a little bit scary, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just did that again. I, there, uh, in being in a new area, I'm learning about this place that God's like planted us down in. And we happen to be in the middle of one of the most affluent counties in the country with the greatest poverty in the country. That's interesting. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy dynamic. The homelessness uh, near where I live is, is out of control. So for a year I had been praying, God, please just show me what to do. How can I serve? I don't have any more hours in my day. I I can't, you know, how am I supposed to do this? But he put this like beat on my heart and I kind of impulsively reached out to a local organization and I, I did a little internet search and then I left alone. I came back to it. And this particular organization could use women to serve as mentors and coaches uh, from a career perspective with the women that they take into their organization to serve. So I sent out an email and I said, I'm a coach and I'm a mentor and I live 20 minutes from your organization. How can I help? How can I serve you? And it's turned into like a whole program uh, that um, the Highlands Ability Battery that I do that the Highlands company is donating and, you know, and I'm giving my time and I'm going to be working with these women. And in the middle of all of this walking in faith and trusting God and, and seeing these pieces come together, it's been the most difficult financial season for my business and ministry at the same exact time. And I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. Like, like I'm walking in faith. And I think this is really important to mention that, you know, we can feel very convicted and called by God to move and step out and think, okay, this is like my Abraham and Isaac moment. I'm laying this down, laying my, my time on the altar. I'm laying my gifts on the altar. You're going to, to provide a lamb in the thicket and there's no lamb. (laughs) And it's like, oh, you want me to trust you even if I have no idea how you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want me to continue to walk in obedience, even if I don't know where your provisions are coming from. Uh, and so I, it's a good place to be, but it's certainly hard. Yes. Yes. How has it impacted your your faith and your time with him in the morning and your, your prayer life? Uh, I've been convicted that I need to stop treating God like a vending machine. Mm in my prayer life that, that I need to spend more time praising him and thanking him for what he's already provided. Um, uh, and that I, that my, uh, being an entrepreneur, I've always thought of God as kind of my boss, but I'm also his daughter and I need to have that kind of relationship with him too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So for the women listening and maybe going through a challenge of their own in a season when they need to trust God, but, you know, it's scary and they'd rather maybe stick to the, the, the safe little places that they're used to, but they feel like he's calling them to step out and to move, you know, either to step out in the midst of their challenges or to step out beyond their current capacity into places where really only he can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to encourage them? What are they going to get from going through this 90-day study? Mm. Well, I'm going to answer that question kind of in two parts. So I think that the idea that we step out in faith and trust God also requires a lot of wisdom and discernment and patience. And so the decisions that I've made or the decisions that we've made as a family that require a tremendous amount of faith have not been decisions we've made on our own or in a rushed sort of way. Like if it's if it's something me personally, I'm coming under the not only like the leadership of my husband and saying, what do you think about this? Uh, because he's not always the best guy to ask because he thinks so highly of me and sees my capacity as greater than it really is at times. Uh, so I have a, a two uh, really close friends. One I don't do life with um, here. You know, we're Voxer friends, and I know I know you're a Voxer fan of walkie-talkie life. Yeah. Um, so she and I are our Monday check-in accountability partners. And that's been great because we can see the ups and the downs and the, the, we kind of encourage each other when we reach a point of like, I can't do this anymore or, Hey, I think I want to go in this direction. And, and kind of, it's a little bit of a speed bump because you have to kind of check in first and say, does this theme like what God Mm. is asking me to do? And a lot of prayer before making those decisions and asking God, show me if you don't want me to move in this direction. Um, so that's like one half of the of the question, like, what do you do to trust God more? Mm. I think be in fellowship with people that can support you in that process and also hold you accountable. Yeah. And, and, and counsel and guide you. Uh, the other side is that my hope for this 90 day devotional is that it's like a roadmap uh, of the beginning habit. I mean, they say, you know, does it take 21 days to build a habit? Does it take 30 days to build a habit? I don't really know which is scientifically true, but I know that habits come through doing the thing again and again and getting the muscle memory mm-hmm. uh, activated. Actually, studies have shown, I think the most recent like determination is that it takes on average 66 days. Oh, that explains so much. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so a 90-day devotional is good because it's like an invitation to say, okay, this is where I'm going to sit. I'm mm-hmm. going to sit with the Lord. I'm going to have my... I've created a journal to go with the devotional and you can get it free uh, in the pre-order stage and then you can get it, you can download it. There's a downloadable one. If you want to print it, you can buy one if you want to get the paperback. But the idea is the devotional can shape a sort of study of scripture because it starts with a verse and then the opening part of the devotional asks two or three questions at times, sometimes just one question particularly about that verse, before you ever hear any story. Then there's the application point or story. And then there is the reference to where to read that scripture in context. And so my suggestion would be open your Bible, read that key verse in context. And then there's a scripture prayer, and then there's a question for reflection. And that could naturally lead into just a conversation with God. Mm -hmm. How do I want to respond to your word? Um, is my hope. And I think 90 days of doing that 
when you're done, even if it takes 180 days, which I've been known to take a year to do a 30 day devotional, (laughs) whatever that journey looks like, there's a blueprint to continue on your own. Yes. Yes. And I love just the habit that it builds along the way. If it's someone who's not currently getting into scripture every day, I know exactly what to do. Because honestly, I think that's what stops people up more often than anything else, especially in Western culture, because we have so many things at our fingertips. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to know, okay, what do I pick? Because then we get stopped up between, okay, is this the best thing to pick? Where do I start? What do I do next? And ni- 90 days, that's a good chunk of time. And it gives you something to do every single day. And I think that's so foundational to building a habit is just knowing what you're doing next, having some sort of plan, and just focusing on that and getting started. And so I love that it's it's a good chunk of time because it's yeah. going to help you build that habit and lay that foundation because it's even more than that 66-day marker that scientists mm-hmm. say that it takes. Love that. And I think, you know, with what you're doing with Hello Mornings, I, I have to say this. I don't think that that habit should be broken. I think Hello Mornings needs to be Hello Mornings. And I know you're providing great content with scripture study application in the mornings. And I think a really healthy habit is to think of how can I connect with God kind of throughout my day? So is this devotional a lunchtime read? Or is it kids get off the bus and, you know, five minutes before they get off the bus, you spend time reading that to kind of refocus your thinking? Or is this a good bedtime read for you? Or is it a good summer read because you're doing Bible study during the year and this will keep you in the word Mm -hmm. throughout the three months of the summer? I think there's a lot of different ways to use the tools that God has allowed us as his children to create. Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, sometimes I need something to do besides social media because maybe I'm not wanting to do social media as much. (laughs) And a Bible study is a good good filler for that. You know, it takes about the same amount of time that I would waste on social media. And instead, I'm investing it in my relationship with the Lord and ultimately in my life and in my family and in those around me. So I love that. Elisa, where can people find a copy of this online? Where Where can they find you online? Sure. Yeah. So they can find me at my ministry site, which is more to be.com. And that doesn't mean we're doing more. It means we're becoming more like Jesus through an encounter with God and his word. Uh, and then the book is available, will be available wherever books are sold as of May 1st, 2018. And everything you need for the book, like all the resources. Oh, at the end of every like 10 days, there's another like freebie resource at grow your faith, express your faith, sort of um, just these really fun little resources throughout the whole the whole book. So all of those pieces are housed at unblindedfaith.com. That's fun. I like that little reward. Like I made it this far. Here's my little badge yeah. treat thing, you know, yep. because we're all internally really still kindergartners and we like the little treasure box. So yes, I love yes. that. And I purposefully have not listed those freebies on the website. They're hidden. So you have to like get to that page in the book to find the link. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I'm, I'm really thankful for the time that you invested in us. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. I love being here. I love being able to encourage your listeners, Kat. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our chat today with Lisa. And if you need more resources for your morning, be sure to head over to hellomornings.org. You can get everything from the show notes for today's episode, where we share all the links from everything that we mentioned in the show. And you can also get a free chapter of the Hello Mornings book. Just go to hellomornings.org. All the links, all the information are right there on the homepage. My name is Kat Lee, and I am so glad that you took the time to join us today, and I'll see you next time on the next episode of the Hello Mornings podcast. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet, but I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. My heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercies May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way This song is called God Day by Jen Stanbro. You can get your copy at iTunes, Amazon, or jenstanbro.com.